come in and they're going to counsel you and talk to you about alternatives to abortion, but you have to tell them, oh, but by the way, you can have an abortion and this is where you can go to do it. That was the law. Well, that made it to the United States Supreme Court. The United States Supreme Court struck that down and said you can't force. Basically, they're forcing speech and said that was what they ruled on. You can't force anyone to say something. And, and so those are big cases. That was only a 5-4 case, by the way, which I, I thought was interesting. Uh, and most recent today is Justice Kennedy has decided he's going to retire uh, the end of July, which really surprised me. And he's been a swing vote on a lot of things, but get ready. If you follow politics and, and modern culture a little bit, and I do, that's going to be a battle. That is going to be a real, real battle. The, the, the progressive left is going to really, really fight hard against that one um, because it, it could really change the makeup of the court. So just some... Um, Current events for you, I think it's important as believers, we, we follow what's going on in our world, and particularly in our nation. This evening, I want to talk about something. Before I get started here, I want to, I want to share a riddle with you, and I'm going I'm to see if you can solve it. If you can solve it, you'll know what I'm going to talk about. And Pastor, you know what I'm talking about, so you can't answer, okay? Um, this is often held, but never touched. Always wet, but never rusts. Often bites, but seldom bit. To use me well, you must have wit. Anybody know what that might be? Let me read it one more time. Often held but never touched, always wet but never rusts, often bites but seldom bit. To use me well, you must have wit. It's the tongue. It's the tongue. The tongue is often held but never touched. It's always wet but it never rusts. It often bites but is seldom bit. To use it well, you must have wit. There's a lot of power in our words, isn't there? There really is. The Bible says there's life and death in the power of the tongue. If I were to ask you, and I can tell you for me this would be true on both sides, have you ever done damage to a relationship or to anyone with your words? Have you ever been hurt by the words of someone else? I would imagine if I took a poll that everybody in here would likely raise their hands. We all talk. We talk all the time. We talk at work. We talk at church. We talk at home. And when you do that as much as we do it, and you do it in the situations in which we have to do it, and when you do it in a relationship, there's going to come a time that you're just going to mess it up. And you're going to do damage with it from time to time. We've all heard it said that sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. But we know that's not true. Those words can hurt. We as followers of Christians must be particularly careful and how we use our speech because it has a tremendous impact on our witness. You know, Jesus, I mean, not Jesus, but in the psalmist in the 23rd Psalm said, He leads us in the paths of righteousness. For what? His name's sake. He don't lead me and you in the paths of righteousness. Mark, I'm going to try to. I'm gonna try he don't lead me and you in the paths of righteousness so I look good, or I can say, Look at me or how righteous I am, or so you can say, Look at us and how righteous we are. He leads us in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Because we represent him. One of the things I enjoyed, I was proud of my uniform. But one of the things that was nice about taking it off was I could go into a restaurant then and and not all eyes were on me. When you walked into a restaurant to a public place with that, if if I were to look around, at least for a second, every person looked at me because of what I was wearing. And I had to be particularly careful in what I did, what I said, because people were watching me. Well, if that's the case with the police uniform, it's all the more case with the righteousness of Christ. I represent him, and he leads me in those paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
And all is that is as much true with my words and with our words and the things we say as anything. I shared a little bit of this uh, recently with, uh, with Jonathan Fisher. We were talking. And um, did, were you all here when he gave his testimony about his trip to uh, San Francisco? Anybody? Was everybody here? He did a great job with that. And, and he went up. And, you know, when, I, when he did that, and I told him, you know, I thought he did a fantastic job. He reminded me of the, how he did that with, of the advice of a city councilman that I knew. His name was Howard Clement. Now, I know Pastor knows Mr. Clement. Did anybody else here happen to know who Howard Clement was? He was very well known. He was very, a big supporter of light, uh, law enforcement. He's recently passed away. And Mr. Clement was a civil rights icon. And I had a chance to be at a lot of venues where he would speak, Howard would. And he would always say this before he got up to speak. He'd say, you all know me and you know my motto when it comes to speaking. He'd say this, be seen, be brief, and be seated. And I thought, well, that's good advice. And that's what he'd do. He would be seen, make brief remarks, and he'd take his seat. And, boy, I thought, I've been in a lot of places. I wish some, some people would take that advice because they just go on and on and on. And I thought about that when Brother Jonathan, he got up there. He told me it was interesting. He presented well. He told what he did, and he had a seat. And I was telling him, uh, Jonathan, that there was a, a police attorney that, that shared some advice with us when I was in the police academy years ago, and I never forgot it. He said, people will judge you on three things. They're going to judge you on your appearance. They're going to judge you on your speech. And they're going to judge you on your writing. Those are the three things. So take care of yourself. Make your uniform look sharp. Make sure your shoes are polished. And take care of your body. Stand up straight. Stand up and act like you know what you're doing, even if you don't. And then they're going to judge you by your speech. Do you speak with authority? Do you, do you sound like you know what you're doing? Do you sound like you know what you're talking about? And when it comes to appearance in today's society, right or wrong, people still judge us on our appearance. You look, at, look at the statistics today on how people do in sales. And they'll always say that the people they think are most physically attractive will be higher sales and all that. Shallow, I know, but we still live in a very shallow society. And then writing. In police work, many times the only way people know you is the, the officer who responds to a, to a call. They'll take a report and they send it up to headquarters and some police administrator or some detective will read that report. And I can tell you from latter years' experiences, there were times that I would sit and I'd look at a report. My initials were L.C. Smith, so I'll use my own. And I'd say, who is L.C. Smith? Because he can't write. He can't spell. You need to come see this report. And you get an impression. That's how we're judged. How we look, how we talk, and how we write. It's very true for us as Christians on how we talk. How do we talk? How do we talk about our relationship with Christ? How do we talk to those who are outside of the faith? What do we get sucked into? How do we talk to each other and about each other? And that's what I want to talk about. And the text is going to come from James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. So if you have your Bibles and you'd like to turn, turn there, I'm going to, we're going to take a look at uh, James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. James, the whole book of James, it's been said that the book of James is about Deeds, not necessarily doctrine. It's practical Christianity. If When I witness to folks, I always follow up. Or I try to leave at the end of my witness with challenging people to, to read God's word. Read the, I say this, read the book of Mark and read the book of James. Mark because I think they need to read a gospel. Mark because it's only 16 chapters and people don't read. And I thought, well, at least I'll give them the shortest one in there. And then James because it is very practical Christianity. 
James deals with everything from favoritism to giving to the tongue to, to deeds, everything. And in this, James deals, he's talking to the brothers. He deals with how we should talk as Christians. So let's take a look. James chapter 3, verse 1. My brethren, let, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Now, I don't know if I speak for Brother Dan or Pastor Don or Brother Wallace or anyone else who teaches, but that, that scripture scares me to death. Because what that says to me is as a teacher, and I think the same will be true as a praise and worship leader, I'm going to be held, I'm going to be judged by God by what I, how I taught his holy word. And that scares me a bit. But what it does, it challenges me to make sure I do a couple things. One is stay close to the Lord. Two, let my lifestyle reflect what I'm teaching. And number three, stay on the word. Don't, don't try to put my opinion into it. Don't try to say what I think. Let the word speak for itself most of the time and let scripture interpret scripture. And if I stay on those, I think I'll be okay. In, chapter, in verse 2, he says, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Here, here James says, look, we all stumble. I stumble. There's things I stumble in in my walk with the Lord. There's things you stumble in in your walk with the Lord. But James says this, but if someone is able to perfect this tongue, he's a perfect man because the tongue affects the whole body. Well, I know there's not one perfect. The only one perfect was Christ and they crucified him. So that lets me know that James, realized, James he, what he is saying there is, you're not going to perfect this tongue. It's a small member, but it's got a lot of authority. It's got a lot of power. Look at verse 3. 3 and 4. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and, and, we, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Here's a horse, big animal, strong animal. We turn it with just a little piece of metal about that long. You put it in his mouth, and I don't know, I don't, I've never ridden, well, I shouldn't say that. I knew Tammy was going to laugh. I got on a horse one time, I'll never make that mistake again. She got a big laugh out of that. That horse took off, I had no control of that horse, legs going everywhere. Uh, I, I needed a bit, because I needed to stop that horse. But People who know how to ride horses, and some of you do, but bit in his mouth. Big ships. Now, I have been on a cruise. He's like, those, those, those boats are huge, and they're controlled by a tiny little rudder. What James is saying there is this tongue has the power to direct. It has the power to direct. The tongue leads, it can direct me and others, but initially me, to salvation. Look at Romans 10, 9 through 10. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says if, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's a two-part process. I have to believe it in my heart, but then I have to use this tongue and this mouth and confess it. This tongue directs me into salvation. It is this same mouth and tongue that I also use to witness. Now, I know many will say, well, we, we, I witness with my life. I let my life do the witness. Mm, that's okay, but I think you need to witness with this mouth. I think you need to tell people. What's your testimony? Your testimony is powerful. 
but tell them about the Lord. Tell them about what the, what, the, uh, what the gospel is. A lot of people don't know today, but use the mouth. It directs to salvation. But the words we speak, it say a lot about what's in here. That's, that's why James say it controls the whole body. Because initially, it tells a lot about what is right here. Jesus in Matthew 15 11 said this. He said, it's not, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Now, this was in the time when, under the Old Testament Jewish law, it was a lot of ceremonial restrictions on what you could eat, what you could, couldn't drink. And Jesus is saying, that's not what defiles you. What defiles you is what comes out of this right here. And the words you speak over others may direct their lives. Pastor's been preaching recently on marriage. We've recently had Father's Day. Particularly for men, particularly for us as fathers, the words that we speak over our family and over our children has a huge impact on their lives. It directs their lives. I had the misfortune many of times of being in a family disturbance over the years. And I would be in there and, and uh, temperatures are running high. And I heard some men say some terrible things to the mother of those children, to their wife. And those small kids right there witness it and hear it. And I would see it and the impact it would have. I want to speak life over my family. I want to speak life in my workplace. I want to speak life in my church. I don't want to speak death. I want to speak encouragement to my brothers and sisters in the Lord. Encouragement to my family. There's enough people out there that are ready to beat you down. We shouldn't beat each other down. The power of the tongue to direct I uh, coached uh, a wrestling group from ages 6 to 12 for about four years, little kids, before they could go into middle school wrestling. And some of you have maybe had kids in athletics. I know Brother Matt's sons have. You want to see some, a show. Watch some families in athletic events. They'd get upset sometimes, especially dads. And I'm sure, look, I saw it, there was recently, I don't know if you saw the news recently, there was a full-out brawl at a softball or a baseball game somewhere here in North Carolina. But, you know, it's, it's that true in, in those wrestling tournaments, too, because in essence, your son's out there involved in a, in a physical fight, for lack of a better term, with, uh, with another person. And, and I remember coaching that, and, and I would have to deal with those dads sometime, because we would do a couple competitions, and there would be some times I would see some fathers Get hold of those kids and come off. And, That's the best you can do. That's terrible. And I'd have to say, hold, hold, let me talk to you a minute. Two things. You're going to make him hate the sport. And if you ain't careful, you're going to make him hate you. Because those words are powerful. Listen to Proverbs 12, 18. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Words can cut. Words can pierce like a sword. I've experienced it. You've probably experienced it. But it says the words of the wise promote health. I believe it can promote physical health. I know it can promote emotional and, and spiritual health, without a doubt. Especially as us within our families and the words that we speak over our, over our children. Words have the power to direct. Verses 5 through 8. James said, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles? And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. 
The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Here James makes two analogies to, the, to what the tongue is capable of. One, it can start a fire. It can start a fire in our homes, it can start a fire in our church, and it can start a fire in our relationships. And it only takes a little spark. It only takes one word said in the wrong, particularly if it's said in anger. We have to be uniquely very careful of the words that we choose to say and the arguments we choose to get involved in when we know we're angry. Listen to the words of a man by the name of Lawrence Peter. He says, speak when you are angry and you will make the best speech you will ever regret. And I understand that. There's been times I've been in situations and I can feel my, you, you feel it starting here. And you better learn to do like Barney Fife said and tick a lot. Because if you talk right then, you might regret it. And I've got 28 years of ticking a lock. Because there's been a lot of times as people said some things to me out and I wanted to say something back. But I couldn't for a number of reasons. I couldn't, one, because I didn't want to lose my job. Because what I'd have said would have at least would have got me in trouble. So I, but, but we should learn to do that as followers of Christ. Because what, it, what kind of damage is what I'm about to say going to do? Is it going to damage my witness? Is it something I'm going to have to apologize for later? But James, but James said, just a small spark, and it could cause a forest fire. Listen to Proverbs 26, 20 through 23. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no tailbearer, strife cease. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles, and they go down to the inmost body. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. Don't get engaged in the conversation. If they're trying to suck you into something, and, you know, and I'm going I'm to touch on social media in a little bit. I see more people get sucked into things on that. Uh, about a year or so ago, I have a, a Christian friend of mine. He got sucked into one, and it went downhill fast. And I, I, he, I, he's a buddy of mine. I, I sent him a private message. I said, man, don't let him suck you. And he said, I know. I just got so mad about that thing. And it, but it happens. It happens because you get people in there. And, they get, and you know, typically what will start out, it will start out with two people having a good conversation. But then what will happen, and I hate to say this, the idiots will jump in. And they start to sabotage your conversation. And then you get the idiots, and they're now spewing their ignorance, sometimes not even understanding fully the topic. And it just goes south quick. And my only concern for that, my biggest concern for that oftentimes is those people who maybe there's someone someone's witnessing to, maybe there's someone who someone's trying to get to come to church and they're watching this thing play out and they're thinking, man, if they'll talk to them like talk to each other like that, what are they going to say to me? Particularly if it's something they're struggling with. What or how are they going to, I, I, I can't be a part of it. If they, if, that's to, if they treat each other like that, how are they going to treat me? And we have to just be careful because our, our words are so out there today, they're, particularly in social media. They're, they're there. But they can also deflect it. Proverbs 15, 1 and 2. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. 
I want to be the one who has a soft answer. It's not always easy. I hadn't always done it. That's what I want to be prepared to do. Next, James, James says, first, it's a spark that can start a fire. And he also said it's like a poison, that words, the tongue can be like a poison. And I want to tell you, there's something, there's, there's a particular type of speech that is more of a poison than anything. It's poison to a church, it's poison in a workplace, and can even be poison in your home, and that's gossip. When you think about gossip, when you think about poison, poison works secretly, it works slowly, and then it kills. And that's how gossip is. Gossip is done in secret most of the time. It's two people. They've decided to slip off somewhere. And let me tell you about so-and-so. Have you heard about brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so? It happens in churches. It happens in workplaces. I I appreciate what Pastor said Sunday when he said, let family secrets remain family secrets. I don't need to go out here and destroy my family or or get things out that don't need to be told. And the same is very, 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 very true, especially in a church. Because I think gossip has more there's more problems with gospel in a church as there is anywhere now i know it's in a workplace we dealt with in our workplace and typically by the time it got filtered through 16 different people it was completely wrong anyway because you know everybody has someone they can trust did you know that you tell somebody something let me tell you what i heard about so and so but don't tell nobody and then i know i can trust brother dan dan let me tell you this but don't tell nobody well i can trust brother don brother don let me tell you something don't tell nobody and the next thing you know, the whole church knows about it. And it's wrong. It's wrong. The Bible gives us clear instructions on how to deal with things. If there's a sin, and you think your brother or sister's involved in sin, go to the brother or the sister. The Bible gives us clear instruction. Pastor Don's given some good advice on that before. Someone comes up to you and says, hey, have you heard about so-and-so or this? Uh, take them right now. Let's go talk to them right now. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. I, uh-uh. That's, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Because it can it can destroy. Gossip can destroy. Proverbs 16 and 28. A useless person causes trouble and a gossip ruins friendships. If you've ever had a friend gossip on you, that hurts. You ever find out that somebody that you care about, you thought you could trust, maybe you went to and found out they broke that confidence, that hurts. If you're one of those that somebody's confided in, keep it. Keep it. We, we have to build each other up, not tear each other down. And James finishes that. He said, only God can tame the tongue. He, no, I'm sorry, let me, let me read it. He says, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. No man can tame the tongue. That's because only God can tame the tongue. That's because of what fuels the tongue. Listen to Jesus in Luke 6.45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. You hear people a lot of times, they say, Oh, I, you know, I didn't really mean that. I, I didn't mean to say that. That, that. that can be true. Look, I've said some knuckleheaded things before in, in, in a, when I was angry. We've all uh, shot our mouth off before our brains were loaded. But if you hear someone constantly engaged in coarse talk, racial talk, bad jokes. You know why? Because it's all coming from right here. That, that's where this speaks from. It really ain't about this. It's about this. And Jesus said, out of the overflow, what, what comes up out of here? The mouth starts talking. The mouth starts talking. You can learn a whole lot about somebody 
about what that mouse is. And in today's society, they're just crazy enough to put it out on a social media form so you can see it forever. Be careful what we say. The psalmist said, put a guard over my mouth. I'm going to set a guard over my mouth. And we have to, as followers of Christ, as people who are trying to be influential in our culture, we have to set a guard over that mouth. Be careful what we say and how we say it. And then lastly, in verses 9 through 12, James said this, With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt and fresh water. James was saying this. The tongue of the believer, the tongue of the follower of Christ should not be inconsistent. Our words should not be inconsistent. We shouldn't, we shouldn't, I shouldn't be on Sunday morning praising the Lord along with the praise and worship music and then speaking negatively over my wife or kids or abruptly or harsh to my wife and kids on the way home or when I get them home. And, and James is speaking to them because he says, brethren, this ought not be. Brethren, this ought not be. I shouldn't be worshiping and praising the Lord on Sunday and then on Monday morning engaged in racially insensitive jokes on Monday morning in their workplace. I shouldn't be worshiping the Lord on Sunday and then engaged in coarse uh, sexual charged jokes on Monday in the workplace. This mouth should not be inconsistent. And that's, when that happens, that's, the Bible says don't be double-minded. Because those things, if I'm doing that on a regular basis, where's it coming from? It wasn't a mistake. I've said a lot of things that I shouldn't have said in a moment that I shouldn't have said it, and I'll talk about how we deal with that before I close. But I don't go out, and I think as believers and followers of Christ, we shouldn't go out and and just purposely engage in those type of things. Particularly because we should be trying to have an influence in those places, in our workplaces, in our homes, and even in our churches. So what do I want my speech to do? One, I want my speech to build others up. Look at Ephesians 4.29. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. Edification is building up. I want to do everything I can to build you up to build my family up, to build my coworkers up. I don't want to be the guy that when I come around, they're like, don't, you don't want to be around that guy. I don't want to be down in the mouth all the time either. I don't want my speech to crush anyone's spirit. Proverbs 15 and 4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. And we can break people's spirit. We can break our kids' spirit. We can break our brothers and sisters in the Lord's spirit if, we don't, if we're not careful with that tongue. And I certainly don't want to lead anyone away from God by the words that I speak. 2 Timothy 2.16. And this was the New Century Version, and there was several translations that said it like this, though. It said, stay away from foolish, useless talk, 
because that will lead people further away from God. There is more foolish and useless talk that goes on today in our society than I have ever seen in my life, particularly now in the political arena. Everybody is just yelling at everybody. There is no grace. There is no even attempt to understand the other side, and it has just gotten out of hand. And I don't want to be seen like that. But it gets, it gets difficult at times because I'm, I'm passionate about what I believe, just like you are. And it can be difficult. So I have to decide what kind of conversations am I going to engage in and which conversations am I not going to engage in. And then if it's one of them I've decided to engage in and it's become personal and I feel that, that heat coming up from the inside, tick the lock and say, mm, and step away from that conversation. Because I can say something I shouldn't say. I can tell you I can't. So what do I want my speech to do? I want it to be like Colossians 4.6. Let your speech always... Not sometime, but always be with grace. Seasoned with salt that you, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. That's what I want to strive for. I want my speech to always be seasoned with grace, even when I don't want to. And I can tell you there's been some times in my life that I did not want to. I wanted to respond in my flesh. I wanted to say how I feel. I wanted to say how, what I think of you and what you just said. But I have to realize he's leading me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And i got to season that thing with grace. Grace, unmerited favor. I want to give someone dignity because of who they are, not necessarily because of what they believe. I want to get that to say, God did it for me. He gave me unmerited favor. And I want my speech to have unmerited favor. Season with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each one. The Bible says always be prepared to give a defense for the hope that we have. But I want to know how to answer. I want to know. I think we should, we should educate ourselves on what the Word says in some of these uh, debates that's going on today, whether it's abortion, same-sex relationships. And we should be ready to engage those conversations. But we've got to do it with grace. And we've got to do it knowing what the Bible says about it. And we also have to be careful how we do it. We have to be really careful how we do it because we don't know. We might do more damage than we'll do good. And we stand on the truth. But we have to be careful. Let's, let's, let's be sensitive of who we're dealing with and how we're approaching the issues. Lastly, and I'm going to close with this, when we blow it. I, didn't, I, almost wrote, I almost wrote in this, if we blow it. But I wrote, when we blow it. Because you're not going to go through life, talk as much as we talk, in the situations that we, that we are in, and not mess it up. We're going to. Two things, repent. We repent, just like we do in other times when we blow it. We say, God, help me. I just said something I shouldn't have said. I said something to my wife. I said something to my kids. I said something to a coworker, to one of my brothers and sisters in the Lord. Forgive me. You know this is an area I struggle in. If, the, if, if your speech is an area you struggle in, ask God to help you with it and recognize it. Put some practical steps into place to not be in those situations. But repent. And then number two, ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. That's hard. I've had to ask my kids for forgiveness before. I blew up and said some things I shouldn't have said. Done some things I shouldn't have done. But I had to ask for forgiveness. I've had to ask for forgiveness of some coworkers. I had a coworker uh, not long before. I was really stressed out. when I had a big report coming up to the city manager's office about something that was I thought was just dumb to have to give a report on anyway. And because uh, I had you know I had other things, better things I needed to be doing rather than doing this. And um, 
this captain walked into the office and he stepped in and he said, Chief, and I said, Tate, I don't have, I can't, I said, Tate, not right now, I don't have time. And he went, and he gets back to the office and say another word. And I thought, man. So a little later on, I called him and I said, Tate, I want to apologize to you. I said, I'm sorry I snapped at you like that. I shouldn't have done that. He says, all right. He said, look, I just want to tell you that your, um, your cousin was in town. My cousin retired from PD. He lives in another state now. And he just wanted me to let you tell you he was looking for you and hope you're doing okay. And I felt, then I even felt that big, you know. Um, but I had asked him to forgive me. I mean, I, I popped off. We've all popped off. We just asked for forgiveness. But don't, because you can't get, well, I'm, even if you're right. Sometimes it don't matter if you're right. I heard, I heard someone say this, I don't always have to, I'd rather get it right than be right. I'd rather get relationships right than be right. And I'm not talking about biblical principles, I'm just talking about some, some things. You might be right, but does it matter that much? I'm going to have Mark start the music and then we're going to come and pray. But I want to leave you with four traditional wisdom about speech and the tongue before we come and pray. Here they are. It would be better to leave people wondering why you didn't talk than why you did. First law of public speaking, nice guys finish fast. When all is said and done, there's a lot more said than done. And then lastly, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Let's pray.